Welcome back to Get With The Programming, and we are back to our first series, It's Back. Oh, we are analyzing God. the- Jeez, oh man, dude. <laughs> Bill breathes a sigh of relief with the rest of our listeners. Finally back, one of the favorite series that we have here at Get With The Programming, analyzing the 2016 CrossFit Games. I realize I made an incorrect number of episodes on the post. I said number nine. This is number 10. This is a decade of the CrossFit Games. This yeah. is year number 10. We are still in Carson, California, but not for long. Not for long after this. But Dude, uh, we thought the 10 years was like such a long time, too. Can you imagine that? Like, you look back, it's like 10 years. It's like only 10 years. That's nothing. Nothing. But it, it felt like, like forever. You guys need to perfect the CrossFit Games. Like, it's been 10 years, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said this before. We were, we're football players with leather helmets and no face masks. We're... <laughs> Barely leather helmets. We haven't man. even learned how Barely. to throw the football yet. We're still running it up the middle with just a bunch of skinny dudes that <laughs> sh- had part-time jobs on the side. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we want to thank all our current patrons. We have 27, 27 patrons, 23 to go till we reach our 50 patron mark. If you guys want to support the show more than you already do, you can go to patreon.com backslash get with the programming. And as soon as we hit 50, we are going to start selecting a, I called it a programming patron or a programmatron. I, I saw you try to work that one out. Programmatron? Was, I like programmatron. Programmatron is cool. Programmatrons, like That's Transformers kind of and stuff. I, I like that. that. Ooh. We're going to make, we're going to make our, we're going to make our robots. Our programmatrons. We're at 27. Programmatrons. As soon as we get to 50, we'll have a weekly programmatron where we'll send you a full month of programming every week to a new programmatron. And Bill, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, it is National Coffee Day. I don't know if you knew that, even though it's probably National Coffee Day for you every day. It is every day. It's yeah. And last time, last time I talked my bub, it is. It's legit National Coffee Day. Last time I talked my bub routine, I would like to hear your sixty seconds of bub routine because yours is. Oh, I only get sixty seconds. You had like four and a half minutes. Well, I I give you sixty, but you take three. If I gave you three, you'd take ten. I know. We know know what happens. All right. So my my bubs. Here's how I bub. So I always have coffee in the morning, and I always have coffee in the afternoon. But my my setup is I'm a pour over guy. Oh, love the pour over. So are you like a get my coffee all ground up? You know, just get the nice aroma of the ground coffee. Put it in the in the uh, in the old uh, uh, pour over cup there, and get it into my get it into my cup. It's just going over, and I'm just dripping it over. But I have my heavy cream, and uh-huh. I have the first cup because I do two cups. Oh, that's right. So you're, I, I, you're do a, I do a whole bubber. I do a whole carafe. So it's like a two <laughs> it's a two mug two mug deal here, two cup deal. First cup, heavy cream, collagen protein. Boom. Oh, see, this is all starting to make sense. Yeah, this is all. So that's the first one. So I get my I get my collagen protein in me. So I I get my 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 fountain of youth, pumping through the veins nice and early. Then the second cup, I get it all creamy. I get it all creamy because I go heavy cream, and then I go the MCT powder. So boom, that's the second cup. So I split it up. I split it up. It's it's like a. I like that. It's like a two mile run. The first like mile is one setup. The second mile is another one, and it's just smooth sailing the whole time. It's quality bubbing. Right. Quality bubbing. Bubbing. That's you, how I bub. You know what I found out since you're what? double bubbing? I am a double bubber. I have been under bubbing. Yeah, you better pick up your bub game. No, I didn't know the collagen protein was a two scoop serving. I've just been doing Duh. one. Bro. I know. Bro. I know. 
So that's well, my first half of the day because the second half of the day I go for the second bub. Okay, that's, that's what I do. I like that. Time. That's good. That's good. Bub it up. Well, if you guys want to bub with us, you guys can go to bubsnaturals.com. Enter the code get with twenty for twenty percent off. But let's get to the real stuff before we get into two thousand and sixteen CrossFit Games. I haven't introduced myself yet. Yeah, what's up? I'm Chase Ingram. Who are I'm you? Captain America. And I'm with Bill Grunler. Wolverine. And we have a very special guest, or I should say a very special friend. And, you know, we screwed up with Rory, but we made up with Dan. And so before we introduce our next, our next guest, I'm going to let this soundbite give you a clue of who it may be. You're my favorite deputy. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is oh, Brian Friend. <laughs> we say he's a, the official friend of the show for Talking Elite Fitness, and he is hopping on with us for the 2016 CrossFit Games. Brian, I hope you liked your intro music, sir. I'm just, I'm so glad I can finally make noise because I have been <laughs> suppressing laughter for the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually true. We're like, Brian, we got an intro to do. Shut your mouth until we introduce you. <laughs> what's what's it, funny is if you watch it on the YouTube, they're going to see you just kind of hanging out down there like this. Can, can, hey, hey, guys up there. Can like, I? Is that guy going to talk? At one point, something? I was literally biting my knuckle just trying not to laugh and interrupt the, <laughs> the intro. <laughs> Oh man. Well, Hey, Brian, I'm, I'm happy you're here. Um, you know, those who don't know Brian, he's obviously does a, has a big part in talking elite fitness with the numbers game, which I, I absolutely love. Uh, you know, me and Bill are very analytical ourselves. You are a notch in a plus 10 to 15 more than that. And, um, you're also a, I want to say a partner in stats with our stat man, Chad Schroeder. Um, and you had mentioned earlier, gosh, this is a couple of weeks ago, how 2016 was your first CrossFit Games, I would say, experience. Is that correct? Yeah. I um, did my first Open in 2014. I went to regionals that year because they were in Chicago here in, at Navy Pier. I'm not sure if either of you guys oh, were there. Oh, we may have done that one. No, I think we were there in 2013. 13? We were there with Sam Dance, Sam Dancer's first year. 13. That was 13? Yeah. Well, Brian, if, if people don't know you, it's like, can you give us a little foray of, of you know, how you, how did you get here, Brian? How you got in? How did you get on this? <laughs> it sounds like, how did, you how get did that here? guy even get on the call? He has not say anything the first four minutes of the show. <laughs> uh, give us a little, you know, how you got into CrossFit. What was your first CrossFit game experience? I'd like to know your kind of your relationship with Chad, because you guys do a lot of the same thing and you used to work together um, at the CrossFit games. So, you know, give us a little, uh, Little four one one on the old Brian friend. Sure, uh, two thousand thirteen had a uh, a devastating end to a relationship, and my friends um, that I played collegiate soccer with had started doing CrossFit after our soccer careers ended, and they said, "Well, you're not sitting at home anymore, you know, sulking over that. So get your ass in the car and come to the gym." I went to the gym, and I was a bad day one client because I was in a bad <laughs> mood in general in my life. The cool thing is the guy who taught that class in 2013 that I first went to, who I was frankly offensive towards, um, he's my boss now. And I work. No way. (laughs) And uh, I'm actually, other than the owners, I'm the only full-time employee at the gym. And I absolutely love it. It's the best job I've ever had. Uh, What's the gym? 
Uh, CrossFit PFT stands oh, for that Performance little, Factory Training. Yep. That little thing on your shirt. <laughs> Very so that was cool. 2013, and, and I went back. My friends insisted. They'd come to my house every day, waited outside, honked at me. I got my depressed butt out of the home, went to the car, got in the gym, and it was like the only part of the day where I wasn't thinking about that. And uh, I ended up obviously really loving it. I did the Open that year. I went to regionals that year uh, to watch down at Navy Pier, and I started uh, – it's just, this is something that I just like to do in general. I just started like a, a fantasy competition with some of my friends. Okay. The, so we carried it all the way through the season from the open to regionals to the games or different progressions for it. And we still do that today. Uh, we actually, we didn't do it this year because I don't want, well, we just didn't do it this year. <laughs> because it didn't lend itself to a fantasy <laughs> CrossFit game. <laughs> I mean, I did participating in the, like a fantasy fitnessing. I know this guy through Instagram who does it. So I, I made a suit. I have a, uh, what do you call it? We have a fake name on that account. A pseudo name? Yeah. I think something like that. Burner account. So I, or so just I test, a fake I test name? out like different theories for him. I'll like, uh, I tell him if I think he's misappropriated points for different people mm. and I'll see if I can kind of break the system. Um, I usually do pretty well, but I've never actually won. And any of the, I used to, I did it for like five <laughs> sanctionals this year. Anyway, that was 2014, 2016. I, uh, finally was like, you know what? I, I got to go to the games. Like, I've got to get out there. This is too cool. I don't know how long they're going to be in California. So I reached out to like a dozen people or so I thought might be interested. One friend of mine and my dad, who's actually does not do CrossFit, but he's a very active individual, both said they were interested in going. So we headed out to Carson. And uh, as you guys know, back then, the masters and teenagers were you know kicked off things early in the week. We got there early enough to watch everything. And we were the diehards. Like we were there <laughs> at 7 a.m. And we left whenever it ended at 8 or 9 p.m. every night from Tuesday through Sunday. I think nice. I figured out that That's we watched awesome. like 95 hours of CrossFit competition that week. Oh, Whoa. Man. That's so awesome. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Might be more than I actually watched and I was broadcasting it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first time going to the games. Obviously, last time in Carson. And in some capacity or another, I've been at every game since until this year. All right. How, dude, so you're obviously like when I first met you, you had all kinds of background data on athletes and stuff like that. Just, you know, they did this and this event and they did that. And this one opened back in 2013 and blah, blah, blah. You had all this background stuff. Were you always like, is it more stats nerding out or is it like numbers nerding out? Cause I know like you are one of the people that we always talk to as far as scoring stuff too. So is it a numbers thing or just a stat thing? I mean, uh, really since, since regionals 2014, I probably spent like an hour a night, every night for three years watching or reading something about CrossFit. Wow. So I just, I watched every old documentary I could find. I mean, I, and I'm talking like Pat Sherwood and Ian Wittenberg travel through South America. I've watched yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Every CrossFit games I've watched, whatever's on YouTube, every heat, like multiple times. But I also read all the journal articles from 2001, 2002 to 2003. Eventually I got, you know, plus they put out like something that was like the 50 best journal articles of all time. I read through all those a couple of times. Which are great, by the way. Yeah, that's that was really nice because it's so dense. There's so many articles, but that one like picks out some of the ones that you'd, you'd probably have a hard time finding otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they should, if I was CrossFit.com, I would rerun that like every start of the year. Like here's, here's the 30 articles you don't want to miss or whatever. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. But, uh, 
anyway, I got my level one at some point. I started coaching a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just evolved from there. In terms of the stats and the numbers and the athletes, it was, uh, I've mentioned to you guys before, and you guys brought it up on, I think on your show, it was really the 2015 games that like spurred me on to want to start breaking down some information for myself because I wasn't so satisfied with how that year ended. I thought there were maybe some things and sometimes you have a feeling and that's one thing, but I like to see the numbers. And so I want to know, like, is my feeling confirmed by data and facts? I like or that. Is this just an emotional response I'm having to the, to what I'm watching? Yeah. Man. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Hey, thanks for being here. Adding to, uh, me and Bill's quote analytical view, but you're going to make that even more legit now that we got you for this one. So, hey, let's get into 2016, okay? Yeah. We just, well, let's say what's happening currently is we just finished stage one of the 2020 CrossFit Games where they're heading to the ranch. And with that transition in 2016 for year 10 of the CrossFit Games, they head back to the ranch, but the athletes did not know that this was going down. In fact, they all got like sequestered at, I think the night before is like pack your bag. And this, you know, Dave had some announcement. It's basically like pack for a flight. We're not telling you where we're going. And, you know, some athletes had some murmurings, but anyways, they, they early morning flew them out to the ranch to start off the weekend on a Wednesday. And event number one is what they try to do is they try to mimic, um, I want to say the 2009. Yeah. 2009, the first few events of the 2009 CrossFit Games. So they go back to Aromas for the first time since 2009. And it starts off with a ranch trail run. And coming into this, Fraser has finished uh, second twice. And we're wondering, you know, what is 2016 going to look like for Matt Fraser? And he comes out and just blows the door off an event that no one would have thought that he would have done so. And when this was all going down, I mean, we didn't go there to broadcast, but watching the updates and the times and what's going on, like, did you hear Matt Fraser's winning the trail run? I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was long. It was gnarly. It was, it was treacherous. And it, it paid off to be in the front because it was dusty from what everything that I saw. Well, and I, I love the fact, um, I love that Dave brought them back to there. I mean, I think that it was um, Im- important. Well, one, it was the 10-year anniversary. So I think that that was kind of the uh, part of that was trying to let's 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 bring it back a little mm-hmm. bit. A little pay homage. Um, and so what, why not, why not bring them back to Aromas and basically the first two events of the real CrossFit Games? I mean, we had 2000, 2007, 2008, but it wasn't really that was the backyard barbecue thing. So 2009 is when like it was the birth basically of like the, the, the current games, I think, you know, as far as like volume goes and everything like that. So I like the fact that they did it. Yeah. I think that once they knew they were going to aromas, you had to know that you were going to do the trail run. Like you're not going to go to aromas and go do pull-ups. <laughs> like there's yeah. just no reason to do that. They're going to utilize what they have there. And the other thing that you have to think of is, that hill, that iconic hill that we have talked about so many times, that sprint, you know that it's going to be in there summer. So I love the fact, I love the way they put all three of these first events in there. I yeah. love that they did the long run. I think that that's necessary. I love the fact that on that run, if you watch the videos, there are elements 
where they're literally climbing up and crawling down the steepness of that hill. You're just so sliding on their butts on the way run. down. <laughs> it's, an, it's a trek. And I think that that's one of the elements is cool. It's not your classic 7K run, mm. even a 7K trail run. Like the the incline and decline in the, the slope on that is is nuts. I mean, so they're I going I through love that they put it in there like river that. crossings and ravines. And, you know, they were yeah. like crawling Bring through little rock crevices. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't exactly your, your classic uh, trail run. Um, the thing I like the most about that is when they finished event one, let's, uh, let's give credit to where credit to. So we, we just said Fraser wins the seven K we'll say ish <laughs> ish yeah. always with running and swimming. Uh, 7K ish trail run. And then on the women's side, it was Sam Briggs, who uh, I think uh, beat almost all the men except for a handful. Is I think he right? should have been third, fourth, third. Yeah. Man. That woman. And what's funny is that's that's that classic race. Oh, yeah, well, it's happened the, a couple times too between like Brent and Sam. Like they always come down to the yeah. finish, and there's always a race between those two guys. Poor Fakowski is like, how many more like training videos does he need to get thrown in with a, a woman <laughs> passing him on a, on at the end of a run? <laughs> oh, to be fair to him, he learned from that one, and he did hold off the two women who right. were running. That's right. The, the following year, and so. it was that right. the run swim run. was not about to have that happen again. <laughs> had to empty the tank. It was like, all right already. I've seen enough videos. Yes, I'm tired of this highlight of me getting dunked on by Sam Briggs. <laughs> um, the, the thing I loved about here is that, you know, they, they took off the trail one, and it goes right into a deadlift ladder. Now, the same thing they had in 2009, and what they did was is that, they basically went reverse order of finish. So if you got last in the run, you went first on the deadlift. And yeah. it was a ladder that ranged um, on the men. I believe it was 425. That's the starting weight. 425 have, to 615. Have some, have some of that, Chase. I would walk up, kiss the bar, and then say, no, Dance thank you. Crowd. Yeah. And then on the Next. women's side, 275 to 415. And yeah. I, what was it? Are the first two to go were the, also the ones to win? <laughs> uh, on, the, on the men's side, yes. Brooke was fourth. Fourth, okay. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, I think Jamie Hagia was first on the, for the oh, women. She was last on the yeah. run, first on the lift. But they, it was uh, Sam Dancer, Brooke Wells. They both clear the ladder. Yeah. And how much heavier was this than 2009? 505 for the men was what it peaked out at. So it's 110 pounds heavier? Yeah. Well, I mean, with that, that year, that 2009 year, would they have like 12 people that all tied? 16 yeah. men, 16, 16 men cleared yeah. the ladder that year. Interestingly, only one woman did. Yeah. yeah. It was someone I'd actually had never heard of. Her name is Cindy Freeling. Huh. Um, and so you fast forward it 10 years and suddenly, or eight years, I guess. And suddenly only one man and one woman clear it. And I th actually, cause kind of was wondering what you guys thought about that from a programming perspective, would you rather see, 16 people clear the ladder or would you rather see one and no one else even within two bars of him well my i think the issue that they had the first year is it wasn't heavy enough or you had to have a tiebreaker you had to expect that people were going to get there and yeah. then have a tiebreaker even in this year uh, they did a much better job by making it heavier so that there is a little bit more of a spread in there but if you look at when you get to the middle ground 
uh, of that curve of, of the placing of the placement positions, uh-huh. way too many ties. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the men's side, there were uh, six at 11th place, six at 17th, five at 23rd, five at 28th, five huh. at 35th. On the women's side, there were two at seven, four at nine, six ties at 13, five at 19, six at 24. There's way too many ties. Why did they do that? I didn't even I, know that. Why didn't they just yeah. use the trail run as the tiebreaker for the deadlift? I don't know. Well, they could have done. Know. They could have done anything. I mean, in the or past, anything other than what lifts. they did. <laughs> they would do the deadlifts. Like if you do the clean ladder and you yeah. miss it, you can do the you can do the deadlifts, and that's how you do that tiebreaker. That's where the separated. They could have done burpees over the bar. They yeah. could have yeah. done anything. And I think that this is. I mean, it's a hundred points, so it's too important. Yeah. To make sure that everyone gets the correct number of points. And this, huh. I mean, you know, here the what I'm gonna what I'm finding out, and we're gonna end up having a gigantic. Uh, show on this alone is just a scoring part because it ends up being such a, a, a big part of the game. Now, the nice thing is that this particular game, there's 15 events. This right. is the it's second huge. to the, I think this ties for the most number of events that we've had up to, um, oh, well, definitely up to this point. Yeah. But overall, so you, you have to give when you just kind of randomly have all these ties that that's a hundred points that aren't getting distributed correctly. So I think that that's something that, that needs to make sure they have. If you know huh. you're going to have ties like that, you got to have tie or and always have an element of a tiebreaker. I'm very, I don't know. I mean, obviously I haven't sat down and looked at it that long, but why that, that just baffles me. They didn't have a tiebreaker. Anyway, yeah, no. Brian, answer your question. I like that only one, if not none could make it because I'd like to see people display what they're capable of instead of all bunch up at the end of a bar. Oddly enough, this is also contradictory to the only reason why I made the CrossFit Games is because they had a snatch over at squat ladder at our regional and it stopped at a certain weight. So, and then they did this like standard deviation um, percentage scoring. So since it was capped, my shitty performance was lessened because no one could get higher than the bar. So I was only two uh, bars yeah. away from the finish line where some dudes could have gone 10 further than they already did. So I didn't lose as many points yeah. as on that. So I, uh, <laughs> I don't like it, but at the time I did like it because, <laughs> <laughs> oh. okay. So and Sam Dancer. At this point, there's some athletes who probably benefited from that in the, oh, yeah. from the end of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked. For sure. Man, I'm shocked. There was One thing I think here. about the deadlift ladder we should mention is that Matt Fraser took 23rd in that event which would end up being, and even to this day, is his worst event finish hmm. since he's, bec- you know, in, in his winning years. Yeah, and I, and I think, and I remember when that happened, um, I know that he was cautious of his back. He had some back issues, um, so he was cautious about that. I don't think he was, I think in his mind, it was like, I'll just kind of go somewhere in the middle, but the, the, the problem was that he knew, because he was the last person to lift, he knew where he could have gone. So he's like, all right, if I oh, kind of yeah. fit into this number, I can kind of play that game a little bit. So it's even though he had the ability to stand back and watch and know exactly where he needed to go, it was like, okay, 20, what was he, 23rd on that one? Yeah, he still had to pull 505. Yeah. I mean, he's like, he went, well, he kind of shot for the middle. Right. Like, I'm just going to go, I'll go yeah. smack in the middle and then I'm good. Kind of call it good from there, you know? Um. But that you're, it is interesting. And I remember when that happened, I'm like, wow, really? That's, I would have, I would have expected more, but I, I, I think that was the start of his, um, uh, being very smart, knowing that he had, and this, again, this is the first time that they went 
five days straight. Right. They didn't have a break like they normally would. So it's like there was a lot of things that were in there that he had to be thinking about, which I think he did. Okay, so Sam Dancer takes, uh, he clears the ladder at 6.15 for the men. On the women's side is Brooke Wells. She clears it at 4.15. And then the third event, the third and final event of day number one to close out our trip to Aromas to start off the 2016 CrossFit Games is the Ranch Mini Chipper. Now, this wasn't a particular event that was actually at the Games in 2009, but it's more of, I would say, one of those updated kind of games leveling up events where you took a, a little bit of that hill sprint and then you added some stuff beforehand. Honestly, if they go back to the ranch, they don't need to up the games. I, fa I actually think it it makes it easier when you get them more tired before you start. But um, it was 50 wall ball shots at 30 and 20. Yeah. And 25 med ball GHD sit-ups. And then you took your med ball and you did the um, hill sprint. Now, it was still brutal, but it wasn't the... 2009 hill sprint by any means and i, and I no. believe getting them smoked beforehand nullified the effects of what had been a full send up the hill with the weight and it's a lighter well, load I mean, it's almost yeah, half watch, the weight if you look at them up at the top i mean you still saw the you know the bam the bambi the bambi legs up at the top sure. and once the, yeah. once the athletes got up there but i like that they took in 2019, they had the wall ball snatch. They had the handstand push-up, GHD, kettlebell swing. They had this hill sprint. So this kind of took an element of each of those, put them together. And I like the, the, the unique element was you had to have that ball with you the whole time. So that right. in itself ends up being an element that I don't think a lot of athletes are going to train with. So I like that it was added into it. Um, oh, I didn't mind it. No, I, 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 like, no, I, think I like it was cool. The event. I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. You're right. It wasn't the... <laughs> full send on the sprint but i mean we got we got a lot of other a lot oh, of yeah. things these guys I, you know, do. so i think it was just, just saying. i think it was just fine for what it was and i mean <laughs> if you look at the times i mean you're right around that five minute range so i mean it's uh it puts you right in the right place which i think is good and they hit three different time domains the heavy day a long run and then that you know burner five minute as bill liked to coin acid bath time frame yes <laughs> Oh, and then uh, over the summer, did you do it? Oh, yeah. I, I have yet to do it. Well, you know, somewhere five minutes and 40 seconds or something like that. I mean, not, not bad, but I'm not the biggest guy. And so it's <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's big or not, man. It's still going to hurt. Like, oh, that's man. Pain. That's true. Oh, no. It's, yeah. Terrible pain. I, I, I simulated it the same way they did in Dubai, where you have to have that little run at the end. Oh, nice. That, that was terrible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Never had a harder twenty meter run in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I love right. the, the ranch mini chipper. Actually, um, I thought, like like Bill said, I, was, I specifically remember thinking that it was cool how they implemented all three of the workouts. Mm -hmm. That day in two thousand nine is often considered, you know, one of the hardest days, especially relative to what the level of fitness was at the time or the expectation for the level of fitness. And so they found a way to kind of work at least a component of all of those workouts into that, yeah. uh, into that day. And so the athletes, you know, in that year got that, that treat of getting to experience that. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, really impressive performance. And the cool thing was, I'm sure you're about to talk about the winners chase is that we had a kind of a, a repeat winner from 2009. That's right. Yeah. We had yeah. Brent Fikowski takes it on the men's side with a time of four fourteen, and, Brian, just as you alluded to, Annie Thorstotter 
wins the Ranch Mini Chipper. And those that listen to our 2009 podcast that know their history as well as Brian does is that the Hill Sprint event at the 2009 games was the very first event win for Annie Thorstar. That was her coming out party, and that's when everyone's like, who is this tiny little blonde girl? I mean, how, running, how old was she? like she's like cross-country skiing, and she did <laughs> yeah. the exact same thing in this one too, like crazy strides, other arm swinging like she's <laughs> you know, moving the poles. She, she killed that. Yeah. And her time, her time in 2016 would have been uh, fourth for the men also. That you know, that yeah. did the same event the same day. Oh, so, wow. I mean, she, she crushed the women. She won by like almost 25 seconds or something. Oh, That's yeah. great. Uh, that was but great. that was a, that, I loved how they did the first day. I thought that was a, uh, a really elegant way to kick off the, the, the 10 year anniversary. You know, great sets of, of tests right out of the gate. Um, so I think we're like, as far as program wise, we're, we're kind of already ahead of the game mm -hmm. because that's a pretty good first day, yeah. you know, pretty good first day is looking at the domains and looking at your, uh, your 10 physical traits and all that. So that's, they did a good job. It, it, almost, well. it, it even almost has a similar feel to the 2007 games, where if you're only totally. going to have three events, you're yep. pretty much hitting everything in three events here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I it was, agree. It was good. And so we, we cap off Wednesday and Bill, as you said earlier, is that, Usually, you would do a Wednesday, take off Thursday, and then get back to the mainstay arenas thir uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And usually, up until this point, most often not, the first event had a swim yeah. in it. Well, they pushed the swim back to Thursday, and it was only one event on Thursday. It was in the morning, and it was a 500-meter-ish yeah. <laughs> ocean swim. And we haven't had we just we haven't had a pure swim only test up in this point. In 2011, it was mixed up with um, pull ups, push ups, air squats, and running on the sand. In 2012, it was at Pendleton, which is that um, off road triathlon. 2013, they were in the pool, but it was bar muscle ups. 14, it was uh, what was it? The thrusters, kettlebell, kettlebell thrusters, and burpees. And in yeah. 15, it had the paddleboard. So really close in 15, but not just a pure out and back swim now they did have to run in the sand a little bit but in terms of the effect of that on the actual event itself wasn't much and you know it was, it was good little different tests it, if you look at it from a times perspective that's a, it's a new time frame we haven't touched yet so in four events we were hitting good different modalities different time frames um you know we had a long aerobic endeavor trail run but again i don't feel like that's pure running either there's a lot that goes into that um, so this i would say is our just our pure monostructural test out there in the element that is the, the, the ocean and i tell you what that surf that morning was legit yeah it was just that, ask it was ben finally smith had an ocean. <laughs> finally had an ocean i mean all the past years there were you know people would say oh that surf was so big it was so big it's like dude that is not big. What are you talking about? I mean, and I know that like I served, so there's a little bit of different perspective, but like there was really nothing to contend to to contend with. Here there was. If you watch the videos, you'll see where the waves will come in and crash. And some some of the athletes would stop and stand straight up and look at it and be like, oh, you could tell there was a, a moment of, of hesitation. And then your, you know, mostly your Aussies or your lifeguards or your people that have some sort of a a, a swim background they would be the ones that would be diving underneath and letting the, the, the wave pick them up on the backside. So you can see a little bit of skill there. But I think what impressed me most out of this event was 
you know, we, we've talked for so many years about how CrossFitters just don't have that swimming skill. Like they, they up to this point have, they could swim. They were starting to do laps in the pool. I don't know what they were doing. They weren't, they weren't learning how to swim, you know, but here, if you look at the times, they're all pretty decent. Like they're decent times. Your fastest swimmer on the men's side was uh, Yonikoski, who's a swimmer. Right. I mean, that's his deal. He was a national swimmer for Finland and uh, for uh, the youth team. And so he's just under seven minutes. And if you look kind of at the average, at least on the guy's side, you're around eight and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. Like that's a pretty dang good open water, ocean swim, you know, non-swimmer times. That's, I thought that was impressive. I was stoked. I was really happy that it's like, okay, guys and girls, we're finally here. <laughs> we're finally swimming now. Like we made job. it. And definitely girls. This was one of those events that Dave loves to have where the men and the women basically started at the same time. The girls, yep. I think were like five yards behind them on the sand, but a couple of the girls beat almost all of the guys in this workout. And just uh, before um, we lose track of it, Yona Koski, he only did this workout to cat to pocket three thousand dollars. He was <laughs> from the competition immediately after. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he hey. didn't like the deadlift. He wins his event, and then he's like, "Okay, guy, uh, peace. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I need funny. this to go pay for my back work." <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> the his back was pretty bad that uh, after that. And and you know, that's always sucked for Yonikowski is that you know he had such a, a a promising early start to his career, and injuries have plagued him to to a point to where I thought he was a lot older than he was. But yeah. I mean, he's still relatively a very young athlete. Was yeah. he 25? 26. 20, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, what, was one so event crazy. away? Yeah. He was one event away from making the CrossFit Games uh, to the ranch this year. He was holding yeah. on to that fifth place position going into the, the GHD. So, Bill, as I said, Yanikoski wins at a time of 6.54. You know who surprised you the most actually was Rasmus Anderson. I had no Rasmus idea he was a surprisingly good swimmer. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah, look like he swimmer. should be. A very good swimmer. I mean, yeah. you, you pull off a fourth place, you know, you think of, you know, Rasmus is a big boy. Yeah. And you don't really see big boys. Um, it's like a polar bear, you know? Who knew that polar bears were such <laughs> amazing aquatic animals? But oh, they, they are. Move, though, man. And they then Tia Claire Toomey comes out and gets her first win of the weekend at a time of 728, blistering. And that'll close out um, first two days as we get set. And to start off the third day, Friday, on-site in Carson, in the soccer stadium, Dave Castro does what Dave Castro always does. And he got shit on all off-season for pulling out Murph in 2015. (laughs) So he brings it back for 2016. (laughs) Um, they bring it, it back. They bring it back with a um, a bit more attention to athlete awareness. I won't say the safety word with Bill. Um, uh, athlete yeah. awareness by doing it in the morning, partitioning it a little bit differently, so it isn't the exact same event as it was in 2015. However, bringing it back again to prove that <laughs> you know most of the issues that happened in 2015. I would say could be laid at the feet of the athletes and coaches a bit more than maybe the directors of the CrossFit games. Um, That's my personal opinion because I mean, they just totally sent it and they put themselves in a, in a bad place just trying to trying to win. I'm not saying they did anything dumb, um, but 
we talked about that in 2015 enough. The 2016 one was one mile run, five rounds of 20 pull-ups, 40 push-ups, 60 air squats, and then a mile run with a 20 and 14 pound vest. And it was, it was cool to see Murph back. For me, even more cool to see Josh Bridges back. Yeah. Hitting Murph, which, you know, if you guys don't know the behind Murph, it's, it's uh, dedicated to a Navy SEAL, um, Michael Murphy. And obviously with Josh's past and his time with the teams and having, you know, he said this on the documentary, which I loved. It was, I it was so good. You know, last year at Murph, BKG won. Yeah. He's an Icelandic handsome man. But, you know, Josh being the full red-blooded American that he is, he's like, an American has to win Murph. That is unacceptable. And no matter what happened at the games beyond this point, I think Josh was so fixated. He's like, no matter what. I am going to win this event <laughs> and get it back <laughs> into the States where it belongs. Man, and he just handles it by almost a minute. Like, just, he crushed this event. And, you know, as far as, like, programming, I think it was, I think with all of the talk about what happened the year before, it was almost like, okay, fine, let's redo that. And I think that it's, I'm glad that they brought it back in. Um, I thought it was interesting. They did it early in the morning. So now what that did is the the sh- the shading on mm-hmm. the stadium, on the soccer stadium. This is where it pays to be a winner because if you <laughs> come in yeah. first on the run or the first handful of the run, you can go straight to the shaded area because there wasn't a lane. You got to pick wherever you wanted to go. And so that was, once you got in your lane, if you knew that there was going to be some shade there, you would be in the shade the whole time rather than being in the sun. Even, if, even in the, though it's the morning time, there's not a lot of wind moving in that stadium and a lot of air moving around. So if you're in the sun, you feel that heat on your skin, even though it's not the heat of the day yet. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but man, the way Josh handled that just smashed it, smashed it. Well, you know, Bridges is famous for his celebrations after, after event wins. And obviously some of the ones in the tennis stadium historically are the ones that get the most, replay or no notoriety yeah. because that nighttime it just brings out a little bit different intensity he created the intensity when he won that event like he crossed totally. the finish line slamming his chest my mustache blowing You're getting me goosebumps everywhere Brian, look at that i mean it was and i was in the stands there i was right right up in the front and i, I had goosebumps watching i was like i was like man it, but it wasn't uh it wasn't just bridges bridges fraser olsen hepner four americans took the top four spots yeah. in Murph this year oh, there we go bkg ended up taking fifth so he's still obviously good at the workout but it was and it's always something i've thought about when it comes to hero workouts is what did, what is the perspective of an international crossfitter on a hero workout yeah and, you know. that's a good question but anyway so it's cool to see some of the americans do well on the men's side, but it wasn't just the men who reclaimed the spot. <laughs> yeah. Was it Chase? True. No, it was not. True. And we get uh, man, Carrie Pierce. Yeah, takes Murph thirty-six forty-two, just six seconds ahead of Katrin Davis' daughter. Man, I tell you what, that was—I don't want to say unexpected, but I, I think would, I would have said that coming in. I would have said that. She's not, I mean, Carrie Pierce wasn't anyone we were talking about in 2016. Well, and it's strange. I, I, even though, okay, so Carrie, whenever there's gymnastic elements to the workout, 
or to the event, she does amazing. And the, the higher the volume, the better for her. Yeah, I mean, totally. we know that now. But I, but I just think <laughs> like, like Murph is kind of, a, it, Murph is weird because it gets masked with the run, masked with the weighted, you know, the weighted vest. And yeah. the, even, you know, it's not just pull-ups. It's, there's air squats. And so you have a lot of other athletes that are great with their legs. And so you, you just don't norm, I, I wouldn't have said, oh yeah, obviously Carrie Pierce. Right. But she was spectacular mm-hmm. on this event. And the, the fact that they, the fact that it was segmented. So instead of going 100, 200, 300 on your pull-ups, push-ups, and air squats, they broke it into 20, 40, 60 um, for five rounds. And so it allowed her to really have those natural breaks to where yeah. she could really go at it on those. And, you know, if you have the athletes that have strong legs and, and can keep up with her on the squats, she's now everyone is being partitioned. So you you can't, outrun someone because you're, you're gonna have to stop you know it's like there's always that break so she just hammered the pull-ups yeah hammered the push-ups and just was man just did great it was awesome and that was a great race between her and, and Catherine. is this, sure all the way to the end it was this and, her you know, first Carrie, year first event win chase for uh, i i'm assuming it's her first event win but when was her first year she so carrie competed the year before and she actually did well she took fifth in murph the previous year oh, okay I went through and took a, took a look at, so there were 22 women who did it both years and 16 men who did it both years. Yeah. And of those 38 athletes, there was only one athlete who was slower in year two than year one. And, she, and it was Michelle Latondra and she was 12 seconds slower. Wow. But there were some incredible, and obviously there's a lot of factors in it, but like Katrin finishing second was way more surprising t- when you look at the numbers and Carrie finishing first, she, she improved by nine minutes and 10 spots. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I, wow. You know, and that, and that, it could be anything, right? It could be the unpartitioned versus the partition. It could be the time yeah. of day. It could be the approach, like you said, from the coach and the athlete, but there were on the men's side, uh, Rob Forte was the biggest jump. He was 10 minutes faster and he <laughs> 24th in 2015. He finished yeah. seventh in 2015. Yeah, out of that for that first year was well, yeah. the other thing is this, it's they're aware. They saw what happened the first year. So now they can very they can get set in that mindset and be able to take the different uh uh steps that they need to take to make sure that they're gonna be able to do their best. And I think that that's what happened on that first you know, the, on the 2015 was people just were used to doing Murph in their gym at the, so I'm not going to do it the hot time of the day. (laughs) That'd be dumb. But here they are, you're doing it the hot time of the day. So you haven't trained to that. I think when, when it, when it came back, everyone was like, okay, I got you this time. And you know, there was the help putting it earlier and you know, those types of things. But I think that there was more of a mental, okay, now I'm ready for this now. I think the part the the, the partitioning is huge for, if I speak to myself is like, big sets of gymnastics or anything is, is not good for me. But if I can partition it, I can, yeah. I can continually like, you know, if I use my pull and then I get a break with the push and then I have my rest on the air squats. Like if I can partition it, I am significantly better than 100%. I am at, at big sets. That's just me. Plus I'm just terrible at high volume sets of pushups. Um, but yeah, I could see that. I mean, obviously, yes, there's a lot of factors, but man, 10 to nine minute swings Wow. That's huge. All right. So Murph is done. That's event five. We're at event five and just starting day number three. This is crazy. And they moved to <laughs> event number six. So we just went super long, you know, 35 plus 40 minutes into a squat clean pyramid. 
And we saw a little bit of the same thing the previous year, but we'll get to that because it comes a little bit later. Uh, but the squat clean pyramid went 10, 8, 6, 4, 2 of squat cleans. At the men, it started at 245 and ended at 325. On the women, it was 165 to 215. And just, man, watching the, <laughs> watching the ease at which a lot of these athletes went through this, I'm glad I wasn't calling it because I wouldn't have been able to say anything. I just kind of sat there with my mouth agape, just being like, "What is this sport that I'm watching oh, now? This I love this sport this is this so event. different. <laughs> I love this event, and I'm I mean, and I I'm a de- like as far as an athlete goes, I'm a decently strong athlete. I wouldn't say that I'm like the 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 one rep max guy at all, but I loved the the numbers that were there, the way it was set up and the weights that was that were being used because it allowed people to race the beginning and then you had a big show at the end. So as far as a spectatorship goes, um, it was fun to watch. It wasn't the it wasn't just lifting heavy weights. It was lifting heavy weights and you see someone across the floor and who is going to lift that weight first as you're trying to get to the end. So there's all this you know, this energy and this anticipation and this, and this anxiousness of what are they going to do? And same thing on the athlete side, as well as on the, on the spectator side. Plus I think that it's a good way to show. And this is my favorite uh, way to showcase strength. I like when you can do a heavy amount, not, a, not just a one rep max, yeah. but you're doing a percentage base basically for the most part. And you're doing it for a handful of reps after being, a little bit fatigued so you're working your way through these weights and what was fun was to see especially calling it was knowing what people's one rep maxes were and then seeing where they were when they got to this particular thing we've seen this you know we saw this um when they when they went to madison they would do the same types of things and chase always got busted on this one using you know talking about cody anderson oh he's never gonna be able to do it and all of a sudden he starts smacking the weight around (laughs) but i really think that that showcases um, the strength, the fitness and the athleticism of a lot of these athletes. It's, it's, I think I love this event. I love the setup of it for sure. I can't, uh, I can't echo what Bill said any more clearly. This was probably my favorite event from that year from a spectator perspective. It wasn't because a lot of times the early heats aren't that exciting in some of the events or they're just long and drawn out. But this was one of those events where because of what Bill said, whether it was someone in the early heat who's just freakishly strong, going super fast, putting up a time, and you're wondering, can anyone in the later heats beat that? Or in every heat, it seemed like there was someone who at some point was reaching a point where you're like, I'm not sure if they can hit this or not. And you yeah. guys know how it is. The crowd loves those moments. Yes. And there were a lot of people in every heat. It felt like at least one athlete who was only making a lift at some point because of the crowd. Yeah. And you had the opportunity to get behind them. So this was like from, from a fan perspective that year, this is probably my favorite event. And if CrossFit fans, they all have been there. They all have tried to get a one rep max or tried to get a certain weight and missed it. So they they feel exactly what these athletes are feeling. Like the the element of um, association and the way that they they can feel that I think was huge. And that really added to the to the spectatorship of the of the the show of the whole thing. That's usually one of the one time I'm okay with the uh, cheer for the last person deal (laughs) is with the weightlifting thing because it is exciting (laughs) and it's cool to see someone because it's not necessarily that they're sucking at an event per se, which usually kind of happens in, you know, people getting capped. It's just like, listen, this is just how strong they are. 
they've already went above and beyond their own capabilities. And now we are going to will you to do the same thing. So I, I'm yeah. with you. Th those are one of the, the more exciting things you can see from uh, Brian, as you said, a spectator for one, a commentator for two with you, Bill, and just being able to know that to your point is like, we've all been there and to celebrate that. Cause you know how happy and exciting that is yeah. for them. So I, I do agree. Those, those are some special moments they have. Um, there and especially when you you know that was the first event they had in the tennis stadium uh they were in the soccer stadium for murph moved to the tennis stadium for the gosh who was it um cara saunders oh, crushed that yeah i think this is when you're like hey can we bump the weights up a little bit for the women please <laughs> so cara saunders yeah, five seven the last bar like it was nothing oh my gosh yeah. she's like do i have to squat this and then on the men's side, Alex Anderson's dismantling of this. I think coming in, you know, obviously a lot of times Matt is always a, a favorite to pick when it, it comes to an Olympic weightlifting um, event or a ladder of sorts. But were they in the same heat? I can't remember. Or was he trying to, was Alex ahead of him? I think they were probably in the same heat. I'm just looking at Alex's event finishes to that point, and they're pretty good. I would guess he was in the final heat at that point because he was. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely was. Yeah. Well, and that and this, what's cool is that's when these two guys were kind of like these guys are like traveling around together. Yeah, they're buddy Dubai buddy together. They were kind of like partners, and you know, I mean, Alex is just so damn strong and and handsome, you know, very just handsome a good-looking man. He. <laughs> He really is. But really uh, is. I thought what was funny is I, you know, I was cheering for Matt because I wanted Matt to finally get past the two second places and win. You know, this was the year. Yeah. like, hey, let's 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 do this. All right, we have the traits, we have the capability. He dominated the open, the regionals, and you know, it, was, it looks like he was on tra a trajectory for there. But it was in that heat. I was like, let's go, Matt. Go get him. Get him. Oh, oh, this isn't going to happen. Oh, that guy is strong. strong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so it was Alex Anderson, 521 on the women's side. Cara Saunders at 517. And we move into the final event of the day. Now, the year previously, they got the fans involved in what event to pick between heavy DT and double DT. And with no shocker whatsoever... The CrossFit community right. picked heavy DT. And I was like, I could have told you that before we even did this vote. Nobody wants to go long. So Dave <laughs> decided, but hey, not only, not only are we going to do we'll go Murph, <laughs> yeah, not only are we going to do Murph again, we're going to bring back the thing that you didn't want to do the first year, and we're going to go double DT. <laughs> what double DT is is 10 rounds, 12 deadlifts, 9 hang power cleans, 6 push jerks at 155, and 105 and man i tried this a couple weeks later and it's not like i needed a reminder of where my fitness was relative to the games athletes but i was like okay so i need triple one. the time cap of which they were capped but they didn't need the cap <laughs> like i was like this is oh and i didn't do murph or the squat cleans because i wouldn't have got out of the round of 10 in two minutes anyways so their, their performance in double dt just nasty yeah nasty impressive yeah. i don't even know if that's a way to describe it the right way well and you have to i think it's important to 
I mean, everyone knows, everyone knows what DT is. Everyone knows how that feels. Uh, you get the good athletes that are around, you know, that, that five minute ish, four minute ish, three minute, three and a half minute ish mark. And then you just like, it's like, Oh, well just double that. That's 90 hang <laughs> cleans, 90 and everyone. Okay. This is, this was the year that well, I would say the year, well, maybe everybody got really, really, really good at that rebound off the quads. So oh, they aren't really yeah. bending over. So they're all Gosh, going for that, that. Uh, that leg high, high thigh leg bruise, you know, where, where if you watch Catherine do it, she was incredible how she would rebound. Her body was so oh, upright. Yeah. Like there was no bending over at all. Like she saved her back the entire time. And it was so fast that rebound. It was almost, it was like the Matt Mursky, like hang squat clean from like the 20, the 2008 games, you know, where it's like that initial, it's just bouncing off her legs. So it's a total basketball off her legs to get into that, to get into the clean. But it's, man, they moved so fast. I've tried that so many times. A, I can't figure it out. And B, when I feel like I got it, I feel like I'm dislocating both of my shoulders. <laughs> attempting this. The I'm like, screw that, this. It's, it, it's a huge help, man. It's a huge help. But yeah, I'm the same way. I, I'm decent. Like, how do they do that? To a particular weight. <laughs> I, you just have to, you have to, it's kind of like, it's like the hook grip. Like when you don't, when you're not a hook grip person, you sit in. Yeah, that's goes, a good example. Hook right now they're like, that hurts. I don't want to do that. I don't. Like, oh, no. it'll get better after two weeks. No, I'm good. I don't want to do that for two weeks, man. <laughs> I don't want to make it hurt like that that bad. It's, it's not going to be that much better for me, but it actually is better for you. That's Definitely brutal. better. <laughs> I, was, I was two years resistant to the hook grip before I finally just conceded to do it. <laughs> I know, Chase, I know you're a golfer. I'm also resistant to the... I crust. just... Okay, so okay, so what? Uh, if, if you guys are listening, um, if you... I'm not going to say I'm a golfer. I've just been getting into golf, but I, I usually hold my golf club like I'm swinging a baseball bat. So it's, you know, I'm right-handed. So my left hand is at the bottom and my right hand grabs on top of it. Well, if you're a baseball player, you stack your hands and your knuckles together. In golf, they do this like if your hands wow. on top of each other, they, um, they wrap their pointer finger around their, they kind of like a pinky swear. Um, because you're not supposed to hold a golf club with your full grip. You're actually supposed to hold it with kind of the, um, your fingers, right? And so what that does, is it allows you to get a closer hand position and it stacks your knuckles on top of each other the way it should be. And if you've never done it and you do it, you're like, this is the dumbest grip I've ever, cause you're so used to gripping the shit out of this golf club and like, no, it's like. It's like jujitsu for your hands. Like you just need to be in a good position. You don't have to death fight this uh, golf club. So you, you're saying you can't smack your club to the ground if you do the little. Oh no, you can. Square? Yeah, you can. You can still have a, a <laughs> shitty it's swing. Like every it's the same thing as Olympic lifting, but every professional golfer does this thing. Yep. But all amateur golfers are resistant to it because they're like, that is not natural. That does not feel comfortable, yeah. and I don't want to put up with the month that's going to take me to learn to do that. <laughs> and that's Despite why they're the professional. Fact that it's going to help me amateur. for years in the future. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know. What I usually tell, I was very resistant to the hook grip too. I was like, oh, it hurts my thumbs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but then I started doing it. I was like, okay, it actually helps. So what I usually tell people in the gym, they're like, I don't want a hook grip. I'm like, cool. So what I heard was, I would like to suck at Olympic lifting forever. So that's <laughs> that's what I heard. So by all means, don't hook grip anymore. However, what I am processing that is coming out of your mouth, that you would, the thing you're complaining about, not being able to lift heavy, you just told me you don't want to. So 
by all means, don't hook rip anymore, ever. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> that's doing usually doing. that's usually what I, I tell my athletes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so double DT. Um, Samuel Quant. There, oh. There's the name. Congratulations to him. He just qualified for the ranch. Yeah. Uh, he wins oh, his first CrossFit Games event. Is this his first CrossFit Games as well? What was he, 19, yep. 20 years old? Yeah. 20. 20. Goes out, beats Matt Fraser by four seconds. Uh, at to a be time, fair, he was in the first heat, and oh, Fraser did win his heat. Even more fair. First heat <laughs> winner. Yeah. It's now here's, it was one of those events where they only had two heats. I think they had like 20 guys across the width of the oh, tennis yeah. stadium. And he won his heat, and no one thought the time would stand because everyone, Matt Fraser's coming. Alex Anderson's coming. Right. Obviously, someone's going to beat this. And it was a battle. Uh, Alex Anderson went out way too fast in that event. I think <laughs> yeah. right the adrenaline from the earlier event win. Yeah, that hurt Fraser him. just methodically moved past him and everyone else to win the event. But Sam's time from the first heat uh, held up by four seconds. So Sam's time, to to put this into perspective, what we're about to talk about, 11.37 for double DT, which is dumb. Like, that's dumb fast. Because yeah. most people, when they do DT, they're trying to break somewhere about 7.30. That's like echelon number one. That's like a sub-four-minute Fran time. It's like a, a right. minute and 30 seconds per round. Katrin Davis' daughter... Wins double DT in a time of nine twenty five. Nine twenty five. You did ten rounds of DT, and it took you less than ten minutes. That is the most yeah. ridiculous thing I think I've actually ever seen her do. Well, and I think other than like some of those back to back wins later down the road, and what she pulled off this past weekend, but that was stupid. The stat they gave then was she did a rep every two seconds for the entire workout. Wow. One rep every two seconds for the entire event. Dude, it's ridiculous. That's disgusting. I don't understand yeah, it's ridiculous. That. And actually, I think it was 11 or 12 women that had a faster time than Samuel Quant's time. And I'm at this point, I'm already thinking this, but now four years later, I'm, I'm like starting to think I should put together some kind of uh, presentation that replicates this is that, Women's barbell cycling weights, the seventy percent of the men's weight is yeah. not applicable. Oh, they we we have that. When did we say that? Yeah, we've already talked about that. Those numbers not aren't in depth, but like not the same. I think anymore. this is the the one of the years where there's a massive turn. Yeah. On you're right, Brian, and I, I would yes. love to see. I would love to see that. So if I if I see any workout that's got sixty five ninety five or ninety five one thirty five, I just immediately think think the best women are beating the best men by you know, 10 to 20% of yeah. whatever the time domain is. Or especially when it's like 135 and 85. I'm like, come on, you're, ma you're yeah, making or, it. <laughs> or, uh, or, like, or like it was for the uh, overhead squats in Nancy, like 185, 125. Or yeah, it's like right. 275 and 185. And I'm like, this is just getting ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, and it's, it's really a testament to the women. Like they're getting so strong that that 70% yes. of men's working weight is no longer equivalent. And that's one of the things that in this sport, that's, I think the women had the, the, the largest area to improve in was going to be the overall strength. And man, did they come out, they came out of, they just came out of the gates. They, they were flying. Once they got that, that strength on them, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, they already, they already are, are a little bit more natural when it comes to, you know, endurance type events, they, they have that. I've just seen women seem to have that more wired into their body 
to be able to, you know, to deal with that pain and be able to kind of stay in that suck for a long time. But now you have them really working specifically on strength and geez, they are just blasting, blasting every event that comes out of like that. So that's really cool. It is really cool. And what is, is fun to see is that, you know, now how often it's commonplace now is we, when we started this series, we was like, Hey, this was the first time ever a female athlete beat a male athlete in their respective events in terms of time. And now it's commonplace, if not more often than not, uh, the women are beating the men at their best time. So it's really cool to see the evolution of the sport when, you know, in 2007, we're talking about women were at a disadvantage because they programmed chest bar pull-ups. And now we're like, women have an advantage because they're too strong for the weights that they're programmed. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, and then 10 years later, I think that's really neat to see is like, and I just thought about this as I was I was talking about it. It's like 2007. We we're literally saying this workout was too hard for women because, because of chest to bar pull ups, right? Yep. And now we're like, this weight is too light because the women are too damn good at the sport. <laughs> and here, that's how far we've come in 10 years. And you know, this is getting outside the programming a bit, but like, how amazing is to have a sport like this that empowers women to not only like compete in and for themselves and against themselves but stand toe to toe on the same line at the same level as the men even if more so I, I feel like you can make the argument that like the women's competition has been much more of a draw and fun to watch than the men's competition has over the last several years so yeah there's well there's really those, cool to see that evolution races, over 10 years the races are there i mean that's what's so cool and it's not you 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 can't not watch. You can't not like watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Oh yeah, I mean, we're not taking like, away from the if men's competition. Everybody or not, you know what I mean? Like watching him do what he does is great, but it's always fun to see that race at the top and all of the women battling, and they are all so good that it makes the races so exciting. So that's fun. I like that. All right. So that does it, man. We're only into Friday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So we go into Saturday and. I'm going to say it, Bill. One of my favorite events at the CrossFit Games. <laughs> uh, this is going into the Rolodex of our Battle Royale, of our favorite CrossFit event of all time that we will do after the 2020 CrossFit Games coming up in October. And what we're going to do is we're going to take our, I haven't decided the number, me 32 or a number based where we can based on the amount of times that you say it's your favorite i don't see how you're going to get any less than 64 there's 64 seriously, <laughs> seriously Brian. 64 exactly. of our i'm going to do my own bracket just to whittle down my own <laughs> he bracket. has to have a bracket for the bracket <laughs> i'm gonna have a bracket prior to the bracket but the climbing snail event this was so cool and this was one of the um another event where uh, implement we have never seen before that dave basically would go to Bill and Katie for Rogue is like, hey, this is what I want to do. Like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll do that. And what it is is three rounds, 500-meter berm run, so around that back part of the stadium, two rope ascents. Now, they were kind of the hybrid ropes, right? So they were cut short, but yeah. you had to do a couple legless to even get up to where your feet could touch the rope. So two of those followed by a 40-foot snail push and the best way to describe this was take a hay bale but turn it into this padded drum but what they did is they filled it halfway with sand i don't know how much but to where it wouldn't roll so you could push it and move it 
but the sand would move with it. And so what would happen is that as soon as you stopped, it would stop. Or it would roll back a foot because all the sand is kind of piled up by the side that you're pushing it. And yeah, I couldn't I can't imagine down. I couldn't imagine like think of you doing a pig flip and you flip the pig and when it lands, it just slides a foot too. You're like, what the F? Like this is <laughs> this is so incredibly unfair. And so that snail, again, something we had never conceived as being an implement use and to watch that take place visually it was amazing to watch um it was it was unique it was an, a, a great test of endurance strength and gymnastics all wrapped into one event um and just kicking off uh saturday morning i really really loved this event yeah it was um the fact that you couldn't get momentum on that snail slowed the race down for the viewers so there was a lot of excitement uh, on every yeah. single push and drive uh, that the athletes are doing so like you know we've had in the past where it's the uh, the football sled where you're driving the sled and once you get some momentum going you can kind of get it moving this wasn't like that so every single push was its own rep basically if you were mm. and the other thing was that this wasn't in the warm-up area. So the athletes didn't have any hands on this at all and had to figure it out when they went out there. So you would see a lot of the athletes would either try to just bang their shoulder into it <laughs> like it was a football sled and trying to get something that way, trying to lift from the bottom, trying to push from the top, trying different angles of where their body was pushing and how they were doing it or how they would roll it with their hands. There was... I really liked what it was, but I, I think that the one of the elements in this event was that adaption. And I, and I, I think that, you know, as we get towards the end of the uh, once we talk about the the overall view of the 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 test. I think that this is as cool of an event as it was. I think that there's an element, not necessarily of fitness that's being tested here, but athleticism. Like, are you able to oh, adapt okay. to something you've never done before because if it's if it's fitness and we're testing what's your work capacity if all of a sudden you have a skill or you you aren't able to give your your best showing out because you've never touched it before are you really able to showcase your fitness um again i'm not saying that the event was bad i just think that that was something that was very unique and i like you know one of our mantras is unknown unknowable you should be able to do anything that comes your way and this was an element of that for sure. But you could see that there were some athletes that I would think would be able to crush this that were struggling. Oh, yeah. They just couldn't figure out the push. And then other ones, you know, it'd be like, wow, smashing, <laughs> struggling, smashing it, rolling it like it's a barrel, <laughs> you know. So it was it was a it was a real interesting event to watch and to see how, how it played out with the with the different athletes. This is a <clears throat> this is a style of event that I think has been missing from the games the last two years. Yeah, and I know and I there's agree. some like logistical good, yeah. and whatever reasons for that, but that I think that element needs to be tested. And when I look at the the results for this, although there were definitely some people who struggled with it, when I look at the names that finish in the top ten of this workout, I see athletes and I see perennial games athletes, people yeah. who find a way to get there every year, and therefore when there's something on the field that they haven't seen before, they find a way to make it work. No, and and I'm and I'm not in any way saying that it's not uh shouldn't be tested i love i love the fact that something comes out that they've never touched before and they have to figure it out on the fly i i like to pride our athletes on 
you know, I, I've gotten into this discussion with people, the difference between like athleticism and fitness. I mean, they, yeah, they are a little bit different, but that element is there. And if you are a fit individual across all domains, as we've said, the Hopper model is whatever pulls, whatever you pull out, you should be able to use your fitness to get it done. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was really interesting to see that it was not your normal style of of implement which again that's become one of those things that that i think is interesting to have in the crossfit games and there's always been one of those types of things but the way that people finish too i mean i love the fact that brent fakowski and pat Vellner, two rookies come out and do really really well on that i love the fact that matt fraser came out where the year before he got hammered in the rope climbs comes back this year and this was like a big redemption going from odd object and rope climb to it. Here's an odd object with rope climbs. And he ends up, you know, fifth in this event. So I, I, the event was really exciting. And I, I almost wish the run wasn't as long because it was like, (laughs) come on, get him back down here where I can see them do some stuff, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it is, this is, I think the event that was the true coming out for Fakowski and Valner. Fakowski had already won an event and Valner actually did really well in the same event in Aromas, but no one, no fans were there. It was not the easiest to follow or watch along. Right. But this was soccer stadium Saturday. Everyone's in town. Everyone's there, and these two guys, you know, a cool say. There were some guys right up there with them, but they ended up taking first and second in the event and yeah. kind of saying like, "Hey, we're here," and you know, in one way or another, they've been here ever since. Yeah, I agree, Bill. I liked your um, <clears throat> your redemption moment that you're talking about with Matt. I feel like that was kind of that was parallel to Rich's redemption moment with the rope climb clean event in 2011. Totally. Right? So it's exactly. Like, hey, you know, for Rich is like, it wasn't rope climbs that were the problem is all the shit I did beforehand that screwed up my rope climbs. And for Matt, it wasn't rope climbs that were the problem. It was the odd object pig yep. that screwed up his grip for the rope climbs. Although we all said it's like, oh, Rich sucks at rope climbs and Matt sucks at rope climbs. <laughs> like, no, it was everything else. So it was kind of neat to draw those two parallels because in 2011, you know, Rich had his rope climb event that was redemption to the year prior, and then he went on to win his first CrossFit Games. And maybe in this one in 2016, this was Matt's rope climb redemption, and he goes on to win his first. Um, well, and, you know, CrossFit not that Games. Matt had to prove anything. I mean, no. in the rope climb thing or anything like that. But I think that uh, I think it's what people. It was the hot thing to talk about if you didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> totally, and he and he definitely was like, okay, there were there were reasons that that last. You know, the, the last event happened like this. But look, I, yes, I can do rope climbs. Right. And yes, I can, I can do the other stuff. Like, Very I'm, well, I'm okay, thank you. Guys. I'm okay. <laughs> and yes, Matt, you did just fine. <laughs> All right. So Climbing Snail Fikowski gets his first win, or second win. Um, he had won the sprint or the triplet sprint at the ranch. The ranch chipper. Yep, ranch chipper. And on the women's side, it was Sam Briggs. Man, she killed everybody. 12.30, second place, 13.09. Yeah. 40 and seconds again, better. And Carrie Pierce, again, in hey, a, yeah, you're right. involves running with a surprising finish. Yeah, that is a good point. There was a lot of running. Yeah, surprising there was Terry Helga. Helga Daughter got third. I'd just like to just put a little note out there. A lot of people are saying that some of these games that style workouts in the ranch this year might not be the best for Carrie Pierce, but... I would have to say I disagree based on what we're looking at right now. That is a yeah. very good point. Yeah. No, I hmm. totally agree with that. And that's the thing is I think that even though there's a lot of talk about, you know, the 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 best American CrossFit, you know, female that we've ever had, 
um, she she always she doesn't get the credit that she deserves. Um, and it's always because she's just out of like that top three. And so because of that, she's in that. And we I always talk about that, that that fourth to eighth place is kind of like eclipsed. They're not so good that you see them doing really, really well and everything, but they aren't so bad that you're wondering what the hell happened to them. Right. They're just kind of sitting right on that bubble and you don't really see them. But when you go through every single event like this, and you see Carrie's name pop up. And then it pops up again and then it pops up again and then it pops up again. It's like, uh, <laughs> Hey, you need to be looking at her because she's, she's good. Bill. It's not just good at pull-ups. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that she's really good at. What? And, a, and it, it's a trip thinking that she's good at, at a running style event. I could think of no better way than the transition <laughs> from the climbing snail to the separator of what you just said. Yeah, see how I set you up? Look, Look at that. that. Teamwork right there. Teamwork. Teamwork. <laughs> it's like we've worked together before. <laughs> so the separator. So we first event in the morning in the soccer stadium. We get back to the tennis stadium, and we move to one of my least favorite events ever programmed at the CrossFit Games. So <laughs> Come on now. Oh. Uh, hey, hey, hey. And, and let me couple that with the most dangerous event I've ever seen at the CrossFit Games. You're fine. There's a pad, yeah. Be a baby. Okay. There's pads down there. There's like they're high jump pads. People people do people do pole vaulting. It's like telling twelve feet in the yes, air down to professional these athletes who pole vault. Oh, we are professional. These are ten to fifteen. Athletes. Yeah, they're not pole vaulters. <laughs> no, they're they're muscle uppers. Oh my god. Yeah, one. Uh, okay. Anyways, let me get into it. <laughs> lay it out. Lay it out. It is. We bring back, and I don't know why we brought these back, but. <laughs> This is a perfect example hey, not, of why we should never see it again. At all. I'm totally wow. yeah, I know. Okay, so the men and women had a different event. So the, I'll go through the men first. 12 ring handstand push-ups, 15 back squats at 225, 20 burpees over the bar. 9 ring handstand push-ups, 18 front squats, 20 burpees over the bar. 6 ring handstand push-ups, 21 overhead squats, and 20 burpees over the bar. So you go back squat, front squat, overhead squat. The weight goes from 225 to 185, and the reps increase three each round from 15 to 21. Decreasing reps, 12, 9, 6 of the ring handstand push-ups with the 20 burpees stay the same. Oh, and they thought it was a great idea to put the rings, rings nine the feet height. into the air above the competition floor. Above uh, the mats, which were another three feet off the floor, so they were way up. They were so high. All right, and then the women was a little bit different. They lowered the rings because, hey, you know, they're women, so we don't want to put them in danger, but screw the guys. <laughs> <laughs> they started with back squats. So the same format, but they just started with back squats. So they didn't do, um, they went back squat burpee, six ring handstand push-ups, front squat burpee, four ring handstand push-ups, overhead squat burpee, two ring handstand push-ups. Can I, I want to ask you a question before <sighs> you guys both a question. Do you think they did that because of what happened on pedal to the metal one the year before where so many one couldn't even do the first rep of the first movement. You mean decreasing the reps game, putting the handstand pushups as the third movement oh, instead of the first movement. I could see that. Uh, I, I honestly, yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know why there's a lot of, there's a lot of elements of this event that I really like. I like I honestly like the idea of ring handstand push-ups. However, that being said, I think that they're the only way you can do it 
is you have to have a a you have to have the standards put in place. Now, when I say that, that's the same thing as saying like, okay, you should have strict. And we've done this at the regional level: strict muscle ups. You can't say that without having strict guidelines on what that ends up looking like, because you're going to find people trying to make their way through it, which messes things up. That being said, um, the way that that up so bad. The way it was presented, I think, messed up the event itself. That having the men up high and having to do a muscle up into it versus having it down low for the women to just kick into it. Pick one. Whatever one you're going to do, pick it. If, it. if it's a safety issue, if you're worried about safety, then bring them down. They have done ring handstand push-ups in the past. They did that at the uh, 20, uh, 2010 games where the rings were six inches off the ground so you basically could do almost a a headstand into your first set um i I think it's a very hard element to judge i think it's a hard element to have standards especially when you don't have the athletes in the back in the back they didn't the guys didn't have the the ability to do a muscle up, kick up into a handstand push up and see how that would go. They had rings, but they were all really, really low. Yeah. So they didn't even get a chance to even play with that. And the other part is, is that because they saw so many athletes changing how they were going to do their movement, the standards that they use ended up being changed right in the middle of the event. And that's the part that was really hard. So there were a lot of elements that, that kind of balled this up into like a gigantic crumbly (laughs) ball and tossed it. Which is it sucks because I like the event what it is. I mean, maybe if you would have just made it made it muscle ups, the squat and the burpee or handstand push up squat and the burpee or just bring the rings down to the ground or or down lower to where like the where the women's were and do that. But then even on the women's side, I don't think it's necessary to tire the women out and then give them their handstand push ups, even though you cut the Mm. reps down from six to four to two. So I like the idea of the event. There was a lot of things that made the event not work the way it should have. And I think yeah. that this is one of those, uh, I mean, you know, we talk about testing events and sometimes they look really good on paper. And even if you have a testing group, a demo team that goes out and does it and they do it exactly like the way you want it, doesn't mean that that's exactly what it's going to look like. And this yeah. ended up being like a little black eye. Uh, yeah. For games. And so, but I love the event though, man. I love what it is. Yeah. So I hate it. <clears throat> I know and, you do. And, and I, so you're going to put this in your top 32 <laughs> that comes to the, uh, and I'm going to bring this one in just because <laughs> I'm going to bring gonna, this gonna, one in just I'm going to, I'm going to pay the other guys just to vote <laughs> that shit down so hard. I'm going to seed that against the best event of all time just to get it out. It's like, oh, yeah, nobody voted for this one. I don't even know why it's in here. <laughs> um, I hate it for all the reasons that you actually just listed it. It's not necessarily a programming thing. It's like I personally don't like anything about this event. I think ring handstand push-ups are gimmicky. I hate it because it could have been great, and it wasn't. Um, the standards were crap. The judging was terrible. The athletes looked stupid. Right? It just looked dumb. Everything else, everything about this was dumb. Visually terrible. The rings terrible. was dumb. Just the, the rings ring. were dumb. The different heights for the men. And were like, there was just, it was such a mess. It was one of the most inconsistent, other than the med ball GHD sit up toss events I've ever seen programmed because of wow. all of those things. Because that is. There was a lot of elements that were bad. That's I, what I'm saying. Like, that is the problem. And the biggest problem I have is because I almost love 
what this event could have been. I love the back squat, front squat okay, transition. Good, good. I love the weights. I love the burpees over the bar. And if you had just done ring muscle-ups, this event would have been so badass and so yeah. much more fun to watch. Instead, we're sitting in the stands going, what is the what standard? What the fuck is happening? What is the standard? <laughs> I'll say I'll say this. I think I'm kind of in the middle of you guys, and it, it could have been ring muscle ups. It also could have been like a deficit parallel handstand push up. Totally. We actually just programmed a variation of this at the gym two weeks ago. It was handstand push ups, you know, for our gym population with lighter barbells, but the same progression and the burpees every round. And it was a super difficult workout, uh, very uh, and very good stimulus. So I think it like everything you guys have said. The opportunity was there to really pull off something good here. And unfortunately, we got what we got. I, yeah, I don't think that the, like I said, I, I, I really think that the idea is awesome. The idea yes. of what it, or, or what it could have been is awesome. The, this to, I don't look at this and go like, even though there were a lot of problems with the event, the judging, what people look like, um, you know, the, the questions about why did you do this versus why did you do that? Um, even with that, I just see it as a, an event that needs to be reprogrammed. When I look at the med ball throw, uh, I, I don't, there's nothing to be reprogrammed there. That's just stupid. Yeah, no, don't do that. Again. There was not, we gained nothing out <laughs> of that. Nothing, not a stimulus, not a, we checked fitness, not a anything, at least here, yeah. there was just a bad element in there. I mean, it, it, just like you said, it's the first part. It's the 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 rings. That one element of this of the of the workout of the event is what messed it up. If that was modified, then this could go from one of like you said, Chase, the worst events ever to one of the probably the best yeah, events that I could agree. have been in here. Even if it was, I mean, even if it was, I mean, geez, make it rope climbs, make yeah. it. I think that's why I had anything. such a big problem with it because it could have been so great and it was just such a just letdown, such a letdown. Yeah. And it did look so dumb when it was happening. Like, I, remember, I think who was this is the most I've ever seen Adrian Bosman going around to every oh other judge gosh. that's on the floor and be like, it, but the, the feet and the, the yeah. knees are bending. They're not straight up and down and the <laughs> arms are straight and people are bending their backs out and doing push-ups yeah, and dumb. there was nothing boz could do at that point it was, <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. yeah no it was so yeah i think i mean they should have just went okay stop we're just gonna strike that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're, we're let's just go to the next event yeah. let's just stop <laughs> all right so let's let's take a page out of what you just said let's move on <laughs> okay so bill what you said is like oh carrie pierce carrie pierce carrie pierce there's her name well here's her name again she actually wins the separator at yeah. 13, 13. And on the men's side, it is Cole Sager. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. But that's one of yeah. those um, kind of like the snail thing is like Cole is not just a fantastic CrossFit athlete. He's a fantastic athlete athlete. And yeah. it's the athletes. And I feel like if there was an 11th general physical skill, I believe athletic adaptation Hundred should be thrown in there if they want to put uh, uh, an eleventh one in there. Okay, so let's get yeah. out of this uh, <laughs> and get moving because we do have a whole other day to go and one more event tonight. So that wasn't the last event. It is one hundred percent. So what one hundred percent was, and this will be the final event on day number three, Saturday night, is forty box jump overs at thirty and twenty four inches, and then twenty D ball cleans at one fifty 
and 100. And when you look at that, you're like, okay, how do you do this? You're like, exactly what the title of the event is. You start yeah. as fast as you can and you try to hold on. And this was pretty exciting to watch because the way it was unfolded is like they would move their boxes, I think, every 10 reps towards towards this ball that's waiting for them. And they, they went the width of the tennis stadium. And then they would advance the ball another every, how, I can't remember how many reps, every five reps, I think. One, two, three, four, five, and then advance forward. And it was just, it was a full send, start to finish. Yeah. Like there was no pacing. It was exactly as it was titled. So it was exciting to watch. It was a very, very close race across everything, which is why it was good. They have chip timing um, for this one. Yeah. Um, and far, as far as what it was, I mean, it's one of those just blast furnace events, short time domain. We've gone long quite a few times since the, the first day of competition. We haven't had one of these sprint-style events since that uh, triplet at the ranch on the first day. Yeah, I think this is uh, – it's not as painful as, you know, when you talked about the uh, the 1K row for the, the phase one of oh, the yeah, yeah. 2020. But this is – at least it's in that realm. Like, you you can make this hurt really, really bad. Like, you just don't stop at all. And the other thing that you had to – that these athletes had to deal with was it was the evening time and the dew was starting to set in. So the, oh, the yeah. boxes that they were jumping on are the, the, uh, the padded rogue ones. And there was, uh, wetness on the boxes and on the ball and even on the finish line. So they were having to wipe down the boxes when, uh, when the athlete in between the, in between the heats, um, when you watch Brent Fakowski, when he finishes, he, he jumps onto the finish line and like slides into home oh, yeah, basically. So, you know, we have that, you have the ball that you see the ball that everyone's trying to chalk up the ball all crazy because it's just, everything is wet. And so I, I think that that, if it would have been earlier in the day and you didn't have the wetness on everything, they, I think that they would be faster. The times would be faster. And this would have hurt even more than it did on a lot of athletes, but it was fun. I, I loved what it was. I thought the programming was great. The numbers were great. And it moved these athletes quick, which is exactly what you were wanting out of uh, men, uh, for the men and the women. I think that when I watched this event, I remember thinking, is this a full sprint? Because I saw a lot of people coming off the box jump 10 or 20 seconds behind and then just kind of creeping up on the, yeah. on the bag. They were able to move the bag faster. But this is also one of those workouts that if you're not really aware of the full totality of day's programming, this is one of the times that an event shows up in the games and then the next year, there's a similar similar regional event, oh, yeah. which yeah. was the final event at regionals the next year, which I know you guys are going to uh, analyze in the future. It had the bike into the burpee box jump overs into the sandbag clean. So yeah. sometimes he does this backwards where he has games events that trickle down to regionals and the open. I tried this event because I thought that it was too heavy on the sandbag. And it turns out that the quick box jumps over do have an effect on your legs and are relevant <laughs> for this event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave knows what he's doing out there. Uh, hey, that's good. That's pretty interesting. All right, 100%. You've already named Brent Fikowski. He wins 100%. Is this his third? Yeah. Yep. Third win as a rookie. Man. This was a rookie year. Like, for, for him and how, uh, it, how it turns out, man, the rookies were on fire. But that's when uh, Fikowski was that, that roller coaster, his like first or last. He had a very Ricky, yeah. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> CrossFit Games that year. Yeah. And then Alessandra Pacelli, she wins at a time of 224. So that'll close out 
day number four, as we move into the final day of competition, and we start like we usually always do on a Sunday at the CrossFit Games in Carson, California, as we start in the soccer stadium, and we have basically what is this three-part, dare I say, single modality triplet. <laughs> skills test. Skills test of <laughs> three different um, things. So I'll go through it. Event 11, 280-foot handstand walk. And then you'd rest. And then you'd go into event 12, which was a 840, basically a shuttle run sprint. Yeah. Into event 13, which was called the plow. And they base they dr- uh, ran this plow. Know, plow sled thing behind them <laughs> down and back on the... Um, on the soccer field, uh, certain time frames in between. And this was, let me see, let me see. So each event was worth 50, 50. Yeah. Like Bill likes, and I don't have a problem with, um, so three different single modalities. You have your gymnastics test, which is the handstand walk. It's one length of the football, uh, the soccer field. And then you have the suicide sprint, which is this giant shuttle run back and forth down the soccer field. And then you have this, you would, you would consider weightlifting, which is just moving your body with an external load. That would be the definition of what weightlifting is categorized in at the level one seminar of this heavy plow sled drag style down and back on the soccer field. And what I liked is I liked the single modality isolation of the tests. Um, I like the tests themselves, just being a pure handstand walk, and it was insane to watch some of the women. The the race between Katrin and Carrie. So good. Who who ran into the pylon but didn't fall over? Is that Carrie? Katrin. Or is it Katrin? She literally hit the pylon, backed up three feet, moved to the side, and then continued. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and look at look at how close this was. So we'll go event by event. We won't belabor it too much because it doesn't need to be belabored too much. Katrin wins by less than what is it? 0.24 seconds. Yeah. 133.68, 133.84. Who knew you could have a uh photo finish on your hands <laughs> after walking the length of a football field. The last little yeah. thing across. I mean, it was as close as it could be. So Katrin wins, and that was huge for her coming into the, the final day. On the men's side, not quite as close, but Jacob Hepner, he'll win the handstand walk. Matt Fraser will take second. Then you go into the suicide sprint. On the women's side, it was, I think this is when Tia, Tia and Katrin were, were basically going blow for blow for first yeah. place on the leaderboard. And Tia didn't have the best handstand walk. It wasn't terrible. Seventeenth, uh, so yeah, mid pack comes out, wins the suicide sprint, and on the men's side, this is probably one of the most one of my favorite calls from Shad Woodland. Um, but Bill, you're <laughs> you're like wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Dude, wowing all over the place. Wowing all over the place. Matt Fraser, who got basically dead last in the sprints the previous year, comes out, wins his heat. Roy Gamboa takes first overall, but he was in the previous heat. But to see Fraser come out and just run down the field in one of those, again, if if there was really, you know, I talked about the the snail thing kind of being his redemption moment. 
this was his this was his rope climb moment, right? This was his this was my weakness last year to where I got yeah. dead last. And now I nearly won the damn thing because I worked on it so much. And I think you can add phrases to this day is like that's one of his more proudest moments in all of his CrossFit Games events is is how he he fared in that one is like he said swallowing his pride and working out of local high school kids and uh, learning how to sprint. So Fraser will win the suicide sprint. And then the plow, Katrin bounces back and wins the plow. Let me see. 138, just ahead of Sam Briggs. Again, barely, was it less than a second? Maybe a half a second ahead of Sam Briggs. Yeah. And then on the men's side... Was it? Um, no. Oh, it was. Uh, You'll remember when you see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so Garrett this. Fisher. Yeah. My goodness. Dude, it was insane. Did he, he ever? Did he even heat. stop? He was so far ahead of his heat. Yeah. Now, what I remember. Second guy in his heat. I uh, remember on the women's side, it's like when Katrin finished, she was in a bad spot. Where I was like, I was oh, right by the yeah. uh, like athletes tunnel where they went underneath for that, and yeah. she was being like carried off the yeah, carried off like, two people. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. could not stand up. And the call, it was really, it was really weird because I was in the booth with uh, with Sean and Tanya, and they were trying to figure out what it was. And like, I don't see her holding anything. I don't, I don't see her grabbing at anything. They're just, they're just escorting her off. They're carrying her off. That was yeah. weird. But that was, I mean, again, that was a, a very exciting. Three back-to-back is like, oh, what's the score change? What's the score change? Like they're flipping first and second on the women's side and match is getting yeah. better and better and better and better. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to win. Um, so that, that was cool. Again, I like the test, the single modality test that they had. And then they moved from that into back to the tennis stadium where we have two more events to go. And we start off in the tennis stadium with the rope chipper. I really like this event. It was, it was um, So they combined... Basically, the C2 <laughs> uh, equipments, so ski erg, rower, assault bike, rower, ski erg, and it went 200-meter ski, 50-40, heavy double-under. So they had a, a heavy-weighted rope, um, not the drag rope that they just used. It was just more of those thick cables, heavy-handled ropes. 200-meter row, double-unders. 0.4 bike, double unders, meter row, double unders, ski, double unders, and then, or no, ski to finish. And then they had a 90-foot sled pull where it was um, like the 2014 push pull where they just did a, right. a hand-over-hand sled to, they pull, pulled the length of the tennis stadium to finish. Um, I, I thought this was a very exciting because it's, oh, it's always fun to finish with that type of movement at the end, that little sled pull race. It was just a slow burn and then a scream fest of everybody pulling their sleds across well, the And you can line. see it. It's like watching the, uh, like if you're shooting the water balloons like at Vegas, yeah. like at Circus Circus yeah, or something like that, yeah. you're watching or at, a, at a carnival and you're watching your balloon fill up or you're watching your little horse go by the screen. It's not, it's not super fast, but you can see the intensity and you can, lit- I mean, you can see inch by inch where everyone is as, as the, uh, the weights are creeping across the floor. Um, I thought it was a cool event. I wasn't honestly for me, this one wasn't that all that exciting to me. I, I thought it was kind of kind of boring just because you're on the bike, then you're jumping or you're you're skiing. And like there's no there's no real transition. 
you can't really see where everyone is between the ski other than when they get off. So the ski is pretty fast. I mean, 200 meters on the ski, you're going to, you got to get after it. Right. The double unders are the double unders, even though it's a little heavier, you know, we talked about, is that going to change anything for the athletes? And it didn't change a damn thing. Like right. you had, you had no idea that they were using a weighted rope versus their normal yes, speed rope. I agree. So they were just kind of bouncing from, uh, machine to rope to machine to rope to machine to rope to machine to rope. So like for me, like it was, I guess on the ski, it was a little bit more exciting because um, just to see how they were working the ski, watching the arms kind of flailing around a little bit more was just kind of showed a little bit more excitement. But I, it wasn't until you got to the sled pool that I started to like the event because then it was uh, like, was that the know, first ski at the CrossFit Games? I think it was. Yes. Yeah. And yes. watching people do what they were doing was really interesting because I mean, like the object, just like on the rower, you should be rowing as if you're rowing in a boat. Like that's, you know, they, they talk about how, what you're doing with your legs and what you're doing with your back and when you pull and everything like that. And so here we are on the ski. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people swinging their arms way out wide to the side as they're doing their thing. And it's like, when, when have you ever seen a skier <laughs> do that ever? You know, and it's like, if you use the same mentality as it is a rower, you know, you, you get your distance on your big pull. So you have big pull down using your whole body, you know, driving with your hips, keeping tight with your midline, pulling through your lats, get through there. And then you, your recovery is on the stroke up, not this big wide arm. Hello, everybody, as I'm doing my <laughs> snow angel in the sky. Ah, I don't know. It was really funny to watch that. And so I didn't I didn't I didn't really like this event, honestly. I, I think it was fine for the modalities and stuff, but. I don't think it was all that exciting to watch, but the the sled drag part was fun to watch, and it was fun to see how how they could get yeah. that rope the uh, the ski the sled across. Right, and you could tell that there was a technique that you had to that you had to use to really do that, and it was uh, shocking to me that um, that people weren't better at pulling the sled pulling the rope than they were like if you had the skill down like brent had the skill down i mean he had tension on that rope and he was getting big pulls and there was a lot of distance that was being dragged um on that sled versus the other people that were doing this really slow <laughs> hand over hand type of thing it was a trip I, f I felt like the entire event was just the sled pull like yeah totally. and when we're when we're analyzing the totality of the program and you look back and you're going to count out all the monostructural things that were tested and you're going to have four in this event. Right. Yeah. And I felt like they were all irrelevant. Yeah, because totally. Because it didn't matter. Everyone in the in the men's final heat got off the uh, final ski within 15 seconds of each other. But their finishing times were like a minute apart. Right. Because it only came down to the sled. And I think even caught the camera crews off guard because when you go back and watch replays of it, Brent Fikowski like 10 feet from the finish line by the time they show the wide shot. Because he just <laughs> handled that thing. I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't understand how he put, like, I want to know. I don't remember from watching live because I didn't know where to watch. There's so many things on the floor. That wide shot would have been amazing to have from the start because you didn't really ever get to see how good he was at moving that slot. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on the, the monostructural stuff. It, it, like, all of it's so, like a 200-meter row, like, even though you get yeah. one of the beast rowers out there, and and you go and I go against them, they're gonna beat me by five seconds. At most. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we didn't really we didn't really do anything. We didn't really do anything. 
So I agree. I, I agree with you. I think that, it all came down to the sled. It was kind of just like a, a gut check before the sled. That's a good point because no one really struggled. So you're yeah. like, okay, what did we really test? Um, I'm with you there. I think it was one of those they thought it was going to be harder than it really was. Um, okay, so the man, Fikowski wins again. My goodness. Uh, that's his fourth win of the weekend. On the women's side, it's Anna Tobias. And we move into the final event of the weekend, which is affectionately called Redemption. So we see, the again, we had the big uproar with Murph the year prior in 2015, and Dave programs it again. He's like, we don't want to do double TT. We're going to go heavy. He's like, well, we're going to go double this year. And it's like, this was the dumbest final event ever programmed. Dave's like, then we'll do it again. We'll and do it again. <laughs> what it is is he brought back the pegboard, and this is a lot like um, <clears throat> that regional event that had legless rope climbs and thrusters. So it was yeah. three pegboards, 21 thrusters, two, 15, one, nine, but the weight was 135 and 85. And in this final, um, I thought it was a good test. It was a good final. It was, I don't want to say, yeah, it was probably designed to be shorter, but people still had issues with the the pegboard. And, you know, the pegboard, obviously, at six reps at that volume and that speed, you you can't just jump up there and not be ready because it is such a tough upper body pulling move, different than anything like muscle-ups, rope climbs, even legless rope climbs. It's not even near the same thing. Um, but what was interesting was one of those um, early heat, Winners for this one. Here's a name that we screwed up a lot. Zach Carchetti. Carchetti. I said it right <laughs> this time. <laughs> um, I, I can't remember. I think it was the regional I was at with him. And finally, someone, I was like, Carchetti, Carchetti. And then someone like walked by the booth. He's like, it's Carchetti. I'm like, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> you, must, you must be a relative. Um <laughs> Uh, so Zach Carchetti wins the final. Nothing too much to really belabor on the men's side. They all did it the best they could and which they had. I think um, the close calls at the end you could talk about in terms of podium um, implications. But on the women's side, uh, the big thing the year prior was like no one could really do the rope climbs. In fact, the only person that finished the pegboard event in 2015 was Margot Margo Alvarez. And maybe yeah. I think Amanda Goodman. I want to say she did well too. I think she was on. I think she finished all the pegboards. Was on the bike. At the yeah, end. and so yeah, I think she got to the bike that. along with Margot. Margot just got more on the bike. Um, but yeah. now we have six of them. And how many was it to start that event? It was like three. The year prior, it was only three. Oh, three ascents on the pegboard. Uh, I can find this. Actually, let me find this right now. Three, well, that wasn't three, two, one. In 2015, no. Chase? Yeah, 2015. It was... Pedal to the metal. Just three. Yeah, three. Three so, three only. And now we yeah. have six. Um, So he beefed it up a bit. Well, because... Yeah, okay, I get it. Everyone was so bad, you should have gotten better. The part, the, the, the part that blew me away on this one was Margo. I mean, Margo went from doing... From smashing the pegboard event last year yeah to i mean what was she like 28th yeah i didn't do so good on this one <laughs> had like i think she had to go back <laughs> the funny line the funny line that sean made on this on the broadcast on the commentary part on this one 
<laughs> he said that her pegboard looked like battleship with all the different like <laughs> things that were in the, yes. <laughs> were all the different pegs that I were in the pegboard that. because she had to go back i think she went back like five times to have to go get more she couldn't get that top one in um and get them both up and then come down again and every if you left them up there the penalty this time was you had to run across the uh the floor of the tennis stadium pick up another pair and then come back again and then yeah. go up against so she had all these pegs in the pegboard <laughs> that was the that was the walk of shame is what that was <laughs> uh and that's just i mean that's just that's got to be super just mentally frustrating when yeah. you know that you smash an event one time you come out again and i mean she was she was slamming it it was like the last one just crushing it and just could not get past that one failed and failed and yeah. failed and failed and failed and then cla yeah. like classic gymnastic event you you know once you hit that fail point you're kind of done yeah until you sit there and drink a cup of coffee and hang out a little bit <laughs> then get back at it all the right thing was this year only two girls couldn't do a pegboard after like uh yeah you know 30 30 something or 27 couldn't the year before so that was good yeah. and no, 10 10 got through all of them themselves. so that was pretty cool I'm with you. Yeah. In fact, more than 10 got through all of them. Some just didn't get through the last. So 11, I think, got through all of them. It's just those last set of thrusters yeah. um, that got one. Okay. So we have come to the end. And after, Bill, what did you say, 15 events? Yeah. Matt Fraser wins his very first CrossFit Games title in dominating fashion. And on the women's side, Katrin sneaks out just ahead of Tia Claire Toomey by was it 11 points yeah and then basically the same podium we had the year before on the women's side all the way down the fourth um, but on the men's side it's Matt Fraser Ben Smith who won the year prior gets second which I, I feel like isn't talked about enough I mean just coming off a win and still getting second the next year yeah uh, I mean getting second to Matt Fraser is basically winning um, Pat Vellner edges out Fikowski by what two points two for that points. third place position on the podium which is and, normal for him which yeah which that's is a good, that's a good one we're gonna you're gonna have to come back to that chase yeah we'll they come back really to that close on the points but there were waves of getting there were completely yeah. opposite all right yeah. so what we do at the end of this is that we look at the overall program we have about let's say let's let's try to do this in 10 minutes <laughs> go chase go all right we'll try to do this in you 10 got minutes the conch. go all right so i've been following along if you guys are watching on youtube we have this programming analysis worksheet that you can find at level two it is not the end all be all it just helps us steer the ship a little bit in terms of what the programming was like from a numbers perspective in terms of time domains rep schemes um rep volume movements um specific like single modality domain so we'll go through it so if we look at the modality or loading, there were 10 different gymnastics movements, 11 different weightlifting. No, sorry. Let me see. 15, sorry, 14 different weightlifting. And weightlifting is usually light, medium, or heavy is how they um, look at it. Now, we kind of, kind of, we have to look at it more through the lens of a games athlete's eyes than our eyes. But even with that, I didn't really see any what you would consider light loading. The, the moderate loading was 11. There's, there's a huge meat of just like that middle loading weight, you know, like the back squats at 225. I mean, that's just moderate. It's, I wouldn't say it's like light when you watch them. It's like nobody just 
blew Nobody through that as fast as he can, right? Like the D <laughs> ball. Had a problem with that. Yeah, weight. the D ball isn't heavy. It's a moderate weight, but for 20 reps after the 40. So that's where we're at with those. Um, the crazy thing here, and Brian, you just talked about this. The monostructural is the most we've ever had is 10 different monostructural movements. Um, a lot of different running. So running doesn't all fall in the same category. We went long. We did sprints. We did little um, moderate uh, runs. On the time domain, we had two what I would consider heavy days. You had the deadlift and the squat clean ladder. You had really, let's see, four, let's see, one, two, three, five sub-five-minute events. You had four five- to ten-minute events. You had three 11- to 20-minute events. And then two, what we consider at 20 plus minute events. So the sub five and five to 10 minute range is where you have the bulk of your events. You have nine of the 15 that were in there. Um, three at that classic range of 11 to 20, two 20 plus and two that are just single heavy days. So I would say that's fairly balanced in terms of time domains and modalities. Uh, repetitions, a lot were in that medium range, 50 to 200. You had two that were less than 50 and then one, two, three that had high volume. Um, singles, we had a lot of single ones. So again, it's a little skewed because of that uh, single modality test we started off day two with. So technically there were six different single tests. You know, the cleans, even though it was 30 reps, it's still, it's all the same movement. That's what we're saying. Uh, couplets, we only had two couplets. We had one, two, three, four, four triplets, and then three chippers. Um, again, a lot of the singles, but uh, I think it's skewed. So even if you cut that in half, pretty balanced across the board. And then gymnastics, we already talked about. It's um, 10 gymnastics versus 14 weightlifting. And obviously, there's a lot more different movements. So there's a lot of different things tested here. Um as far as that's concerned, I feel like it's pretty balanced across the board. Um, there was a lot of high volume work. Um, there was a lot of monostructural. Um, that's not saying it's good or bad. We're just saying that it was more than, than typical. Um, and then, you know, Brian, you can kind of jump in here is if we look at the overall leaderboard, we'll look at the points first through third. Matt Fraser wins 1,086. Second place, Ben Smith, 899. Pat Vellner in third, 863, and we said Vellner or uh, Bukowski was two points behind him. Um, on the women's side, Katrin Davis-Otter wins by just 11 points over Tia Clare, 980, uh, 984 to 973. Sarah Simmons-Gotter gets third at 919, and Briggs wasn't um, close to that. Um, once we look at the points, we also look, here's the crazy thing, is Matt Fraser dominated and only won one event. It's seven seconds that year. Seven seconds. And that was actually uh, Ben Bergeron was coaching him back then. And that was one of the things that Ben said. He's like, hey, you don't have to win any events to win the CrossFit Games. It's not about being number one in an event. It's about being good at all of them. And Matt took second in half of the events. You know, and like, I mean, in reality, he only had one bad event. Right. It was the deadlift. Everything else was basically what under all 10th place. Or yeah. or better. So well, his in, in, average yeah. finish place was 
five. His average finished place was fifth. <laughs> Uh, and then Brian, his I'll, average I'll, finished place across his career. I'll let you, I'll yeah. let you nerd out here a little bit while we have some time. But we talked about the close race, and we saw this actually in 2015 as well. Is that, you know, points is one thing, but again, this is you know the eighth different point system we've had where they relegate um, a sliding scale from 100 down to whatever it is for 40, and then on the 50 point scale that as well, where it rewards top finishing places. And we said Brent Fakowski won four events. And that put him in that place just two points out. But the one that me and Bill like to look at a lot is purely just average finishing place. And we just said Fraser's was 5.2. What's interesting when you look at that placing is what that meant between Fikowski, Vellner, and BKG. Yeah, totally. So you round those out, and Brent goes from that. I mean, just barely. And we talk about all the time he barely missed the podium by two points. But if you go by the event average placing, I think he ends up seventh or eighth, seventh. So he would have been, he, his overall event average was 13.067. Mm -hmm. Pat Vellner was 10.267. Cole Sager was 11.8. Scott Panchik was 12.2. Jacob Hepner was 12.7. Then Brent would have fallen in there with 13.7 and BKG would have been 14.33. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that, that often gets talked about. Brent won four events that year. And I've actually yeah. spoken with Pat Vellner about this because, I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't know, if, you know, well, I don't want to deviate, but <laughs> he's just way more consistent. He doesn't have those right. wins. I think he had one second place that year, no event wins, but he had, you know, he, I think he had one really bad finish in the swim. It was like 35th. Everything else was really consistent. He's just yeah. that guy when you watch that year back. He almost gets glossed over in every event because he's finishing. Guess what, Bill? Fourth yeah. to eighth. I know. He's like T of so the year like, prior. Here comes this guy. Here comes this guy. And Pat also is finishing, and you just don't even notice it because he's just seventh place every time. Yeah. And that, but that works. I mean, that that works. And when you look at the average event, which I also I like that you guys do that. Um, it's obvious that he should have been in the third position. Which yes, without totally. question. No, he finished perfect. And you're right. It just it wasn't showy. Um, because he didn't have the big flashy wins or the big flashy fails, but he did well every single time. Yeah. I mean, there and was he, a lot of times that, like, when Brent took first, he took second. And he gutted out and, like, uh, like edged out a couple guys in a couple events, and he needed every one of those points by the end of the weekend. And that's that's what you've what we've come to see from Pat is it doesn't matter if he's first, tenth, twentieth, or or whatever in the event, he fights for every spot. And and over the course of a long grueling tests like this one, those small things do yeah. matter. Totally. Uh, that, that example that you just made was the final event where he yeah. out sprinted BKG and out touched him by what? A 10th of a second, maybe. Yeah. Yep. That was the difference between podium and not. Yeah. Which is between rookie crazy. Of the year and not. And between us having a controversy on the scoring system and not because they still, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, it didn't have a, it didn't have an official effect on the top three, uh, and, you know, we'll see that a lot, that you'll have some weird things happen below that. But your, your top three, regardless of the point system used or average finishing place, um, is your top three. Men, Matt Fraser, Ben Smith, Patrick Vellner. Women, Katrin Davis-Otter wins her back-to-back, so we're second in a row. Tia Toomey gets second for the second year in a row. And Sarah Sigmund-Otter gets third for the third year in a row. Katrin's now, Katrin's average finish place was 7.8. And Tia was 8.2. So though they were only separated by 11 points, that Katrin was much more consistent than Tia. I'm not much. She was a bit more consistent than Tia was. It's still a, 
a half a place finishing, but it's not as close as saying like 0.2 or two points on the leaderboard. So right, again, right. Um, and even with that close scoring system, Kat still had to win events to keep herself in there. So she had three event wins to Tia Tumi's two. Um, and then Sarah had no wins. And then uh, below that, you have Briggs, Pierce, Wells. Wells got six, so that was a good good showing for Wells and Carrie Pierce. Yeah, but, that was uh, still, she was one of the two women who couldn't do a uh, pegboard. Otherwise, she might have finished even a little bit higher. Yeah. But I liked, I just want to say something about Katrin, because sometimes I've been critical of that she ended up winning in 2015, and you guys have talked about that. And even if you watch this, I think that when I walk, think back about this year, kind of, I think I always think about the last event and it was a little for me, especially on the women's side, it was kind of anticlimactic because she yeah. didn't finish the last event. And right. she was like, she now to her credit, and this is what she's always done in her career. Is she finds a way to get done and play within the rules and does what she needs to do. You see her like struggling up this pegboard one that little one hole in the time. middle. Yeah. <laughs> but she, but, but she did enough. And by when you measure everything out, it's hard to argue that she shouldn't have won this year by any way you, you cut it. Even though when I watch a lot of the events, I feel like Tia is maybe fitter physically or more athletic physically. Yep. But that's not that's not where the games ends. There's a there's other components to the CrossFit Games. At least there should be, which is the duration of the test, the mental stress, and and the fact that everyone has the same rules and you have to find a way to make them work for you. Exactly. And that's yeah. what Katrin and Ben are great at, and that's why. And that's why I have no problem with her, even though I don't think the scoring system was always right. I have no problem with her being a CrossFit Games champion. I have no problem with her being a two times games champion. And she continues to prove even as she, yes, ages, she does. even as the system evolves, she still is finding ways. I think this is five years in a row that she's in the top five. That's she's crazy. obviously one of the best ever. And it's a huge testament to win the games twice, no matter what, how you did it. And I agree with that. Yeah, that's great. hundred percent totally. uh, yeah. agreed. Those are your two champs back to back for catching first one for Matt. And definitely wasn't Woo. the last. And man, 10 years of the CrossFit Games wrapped up in 2016. And it was a heck of a finish on the women's side. And it was an, a good thing to see on Matt to finally, you know, slay his giant, get his first win at the CrossFit Games. And when I, when I take a step back and look at the programming overall, I really enjoyed the test. There were some events I didn't like, but th I feel like there wasn't really a stone that was left unturned in this one because it was it was a lot of events and it was a lot of work that these athletes went through so i really liked this year overall um i think you there's really nothing in there that i could see is like well you didn't really do this or you did this too much um there's always going to be some more or less but overall a legit two thumbs up from me right on i i and i agree with that i think that um it there were some elements that were some events that were in a testing phase as far as some of the implements that were brought out. But just like you said, I, there were so many events that everything was hit that needed to be hit. Uh, there may have been a couple stumbles on some certain program aspects on, <laughs> on what the elements are, but I think overall, I think it was, it was a, it was a good test. It was fun to watch. There were some really good races, um, some really exciting races all the way through. And I, I think in the end, still the people that got the people got to the top that needed to get to the top and they yep. showcased that, you know, Matt did his thing for sure. It was nice to see him not just get his first, but knock it out of the park. And then that battle between Sarah and Katrin and, and, and Tia was just unreal. Awesome. Um, super exciting. So I think this was a fun year. And I think as, pro, as far as programming goes, I'd give it two thumbs up. Brian, definitely. I don't have much to add to that. I love this year <laughs> from a spectator perspective. I love it when I look back at the programming. 
I like the completeness of the test, the diversity of the tests. The athletes were put, you know, through it over five days, which we hadn't seen before, and the best emerged, which is what you want. Yeah. Hey, Done. gentlemen, happy National Coffee Day. Happy National Coffee Day. Go bub it up, you guys. Go bubs it up. Brian, thank you again for joining us one last time before you go. You're my favorite deputy. <laughs> you got Tips the hat and everything. Look at that. You got a friend in me. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. 2016 in the books. I can't wait to go 17, 18, 19, and then we get to some real CrossFit games. Brian, Bill, thank you guys. Later, buddy.